over before The game was done back If you think that I'm gonna let you run My body, my heart, and my mind Then you better Boom shakalaka, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters around the world. It is your chocolate Nubian soul brother. Yours truly, the esoteric noetic, a.k.a. Christian, a.k.a. the Bitcoin MC. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have George Samuels waiting ever so patiently about to go online for this podcast. I've been trying to get this guy for a few weeks now. Had some difficulties the first time, but everything is set and ready to go. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's get straight into it. Boom shakalaka. All right, all right, all right. Excited, this should be an interesting one. All right, all right. Hello. George, I can't see anything. Smile Hi. for me, brother. Smile for me. Perhaps it's <laughs> pitch black and <laughs> we need some... Uh, oh, oh, there we go. Fine. How you doing, I, brother? I, I had my cover thing on. <laughs> it is good to th it's good to see your face again. I know the last time we tried this, some technical di issues on my side, but look, I've straightened everything out and I got the computer automatically saving every 15 minutes, so in the event that Beautiful. my system does crash, we'll be able to pick it right up and get straight into this. Samuel... George Sam, how you? Do, what do you call yourself, man? Do we call yourself? Do we call you the Bitcoin prophet? Do you have like a, uh, a call sign or something? Ah, uh, shit. I <laughs> mean, they're just names, you know. I mean, okay, so Bitcoin preacher was started off as a joke. Um, definitely not a prophet, but yeah, Bitcoin preacher was the was started out as a joke, and then it became a running thing. Um, so yeah, George C O C Samuels is the name, the formal name that I use on social media, and then. Bitcoin Preacher, if you want to use that, feel free Bitcoin to. Bitcoin Preacher it is. I like that name because, and I heard you mention this in, in one of your videos, that I think you stopped using it for a bit because of the whole religious theme involved yeah. in it. And I wanted to talk about the religious side of Bitcoin because it does yeah. seem as if there is this uh, religious undertone, the, the way in which people support their coin regardless of whatever evidence you put to the fore, even the way in which the, the forks seem to have taken place and the fact that they've they've broken into these uh denominations similar to the christian mm -hmm. uh denominations like you know lutherism pentecostalism and yep. I mean, what are your thoughts do you think bitcoin has become a bit religious oh for sure i mean if you look at the history of like many of the the world's most organized groups of people you know um there's religion and then there's organized religion right if you look at organized religion um from a sociological perspective uh, as well, uh, Bitcoin is, it's, al it's already starting to show signs of those sort of organization being required. Um, and, you know, you see that with sort of how Blockstream has taken, you know, Bitcoin down the path for BTC. Um, and then you've got Bitcoin Cash, which kind of took the path of uh, Protestantism, right? Uh, so if why would you, you look say at Protestant, Bitcoin, why would you say Protestantism? Um, well, wasn't that you, you had the Catholic Church, right? Which was kind of like the biggest power um, that took the Christian religion. If you looked at Bitcoin being the Christian faith, you know, we're just using Christianity sure, as a it's a great as, as an example, right? Then BTC is essentially the Catholics. Uh, sorry, uh, Blockstream Core are the Catholics, right? They took their um, version or their vision of Bitcoin, uh, whatever that is, and have, uh, yeah, taken it down that path. And because they've had the sheer numbers, right, to date, and they were able to just leverage off of the momentum, they've taken it down a, a, a different direction without people realizing uh, that it's not really what the original Bitcoin was meant to be, just like the original Christianity, if you want to look at it that way as well. Um, and, you know, I always, I like to think that the further you look into the past, the further you can see into the future, right? So if you look at the history of, yeah, religion, civilization, the rise and falls, um, you know, everything that's happening and transpiring right now is creating the narrative. And you can also learn from the past, right? And actually see what's about to happen just by looking at the past. 
So everything that is happening right now, people are kind of, you know, squabbling and debating with each other, um, not really seeing the forest for the, uh, from the trees, you know. Um, and, yeah, the Protestantism, I think that was, yeah, the original, um, I think they were the original first fork. Uh, the, uh, I could be wrong. Um, no, but, but I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think it makes a lot of sense. One of the... The themes that I've seen between what's happening with Bitcoin and, and religion is when you see something becoming popular, when you see something reaching this mass hive consensus, uh, this collective uh, consciousness, so to speak, I find that you tend to lose the individual. I mean, I found just watching what's been going on with uh, with Bitcoin is it's reached a point now where there is so much talk from, from the crowd. There is so much of a, a, a strong collective... I guess consciousness within the Bitcoin community that you don't see this individual, you don't see individuals um, really allowing themselves to 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 think. I mean, you find people when I when I say that, what I mean by that is that I'm seeing more and more often people just buying into what the general crowd are saying as opposed to trying to figure things out for themselves. And I feel like Bitcoin started off as this as this small thing, you know, it had radicals, people that would think for themselves, very individualistic very libertarian-like, and over the last few years, as it's become bigger, as we've reached millions and millions of people, it's taken on this uh, this generic thing where people, more often than not, I see people just picking a coin and saying the same stuff that everyone else is saying, not understanding why they like that particular coin, as opposed to thinking for themselves. And, uh, yeah. yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just curious to hear, um, like, you, you've obviously been this been in this for a long while and have you have you seen the changes as far as the crowd uh changing from thinking for themselves to i guess just following what everyone else is doing yeah uh, and i think you definitely saw more of it when 2017 hit uh because that's and it's kind of natural when you see the masses start to adopt and mind you we're still less than three to four percent of the world so when we're saying the masses we're talking about the uh, the well-off masses, all right, the ones who, you know, uh, can afford and, you know, live relatively comfortably. Um, they were kind of the first early adopters. Um, but yeah, just, just looking at that, it's, it's not too dissimilar to how, how momentum takes place. Like, I, while you were talking, I was thinking of, um, and I can't remember which book this was from, but the analogy that was made was, what happens with human beings is like with any movement, it starts with an idea and an individual, right? Then you get more people come on board um, and it gains momentum. But then it hits a point where it's like, you know, when you, if you're in a crowd, if you, you have one person clap, you'll hear that clap. And then if you have more people join in over time, all of the claps, even though they're different claps, they all just come into unison and sound like one. Right. And that's essentially what's happening with, 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 uh, BTC um, Bitcoin as well is that that overarching narrative that has kind of given way the loudest sound mm -hmm. that becomes the the unison sound right so that's where that will shape what we hear what we perceive and I'm always very mindful for even the those of us who like to think that we are still are free thinkers and and think for ourselves that we also have to be mindful too of our biases um, in seeing you know, BTC as the other, and then we only see the other, like the opposing views. And that's why we think that that's the only view we see, right? Um, there's the, yeah, I don't know if you've heard of the, uh, the famous, the double slit experiment in quantum physics, right? Sure. Same thing, you know, uh, when, when, when we look through a certain lens, uh, we will construct a certain reality. So um, even though we, I, we do, you and I probably both do see a lot of that same narrative or speak coming out of a BTC side. I don't discount that there are some free thinkers um, who have thought for themselves, but have just decided to side with BTC side. Sure. I guess the distinction to me is more often than not, when I I listen to the I read the comments that are being made by BCH supporters, I mm -hmm. I can see that these people have done their research. They've actually gone and tried to understand the history of Bitcoin. I've actually read the white paper. And, and look, this is understandably going to happen because the majority of people, they're obviously going with what's most popular. You do find the majority. I, I'd say only maybe 1% of 
people in this movement are actually really interested in what's going on along the lines of coding or trying to be active within the community and then the majority of people are just obviously looking at this as an investment and because there are so many of these people that are are kind of just going with the the mass hive clap the yeah. narrative you know what i mean yeah. um a lot of them haven't really done much research and are just taking on what everyone else has been saying and when i read their comments i can see this that oh okay so why is bitcoin cash um b cash and why is it crap because Roger Ver is a fraud. I mean, how is Roger Ver a fraud? What? It com always comes down to the fact that they've heard it from someone, and it usually yes. comes down to the fact that everyone else is saying it. Everyone knows it's true, so it must be true, as opposed to people mm -hmm. in BCH that have, I find more often than not, and I'm not saying this is always the case, but I do find mm -hmm. that because they tend to be more the, uh, not as mainstream, people that have actually taken this non-mainstream path have done their research. They have a reason and understanding as to why they picked this particular coin and that in of itself mm. makes them more individuals as opposed to people that are just going with the narrative mm. but yep. I mean one of the um, I guess one of the issues um, that I think we're all open to Bitcoin cash every coin is is having this fork taste place having the majority hijack the vision and I, I'd like to get your thoughts and how maybe we can avoid some of the same pitfalls that happened to Bitcoin happening to BCH as far as, um, I guess, trying to, uh, to have the real vision maintained within the, uh, the community as opposed to um, having it kind of uh, get sidetracked. I mean, what are your thoughts in avoiding that? Yeah, there, there are pros and cons to everything. So one of the things that m may be seen as a downfall is um, human beings, we seem to be wired to always look towards a leader, Right. So with almost every other coin, there is a single person that you can direct your attention to for guidance in terms of the direction. Satoshi very intentionally wanted the idea to be stronger than the individual person, right? And I think this is probably one of the biggest strengths that isn't always talked about um, for Bitcoin and why I think Bitcoin will be, um, you know, the, the single the single currency of the world. Um, and it, it may change form, right? And when I say change form that, you know, whether it's BTC or BCH, whatnot. Um, but the, the, yeah, the reason for that is because there is no single head. And that the con the like the dark side of that is it brings a lot of chaos. It brought about Blockstream, right? Um, and if you look at the history of the Catholic Church too, you know, people who like control and order, um, if there's nobody leading or guiding, they feel almost a sense of responsibility to step in and lead sure. in, in, in the absence of another. Uh, but at the same time, for legacy purposes, for long-term purposes, when those authorities die or are removed, what then happens to the masses or the people? They end up feeling lost, Right. And so that's why I think even though it's a bit chaotic right now, the self-organization and the decentralization um, is definitely a good thing. Um, and it's, ooh, wait, what was the original question so I can tie back? <laughs> well, I, I guess I was asking how we address um, some of the issues uh, that have taken place with Bitcoin yes. as far as, uh, I mean, to me, I think the biggest issue is just the education aspect. I mean, people not understanding, and not to say that I understand you know, I, I barely understand anything, but as, in regards to the direction of Bitcoin, uh, I guess the issue is that people always have different visions in regards to um, yes. where they think something should go. And mm -hmm. I guess that is, in, in, a, in a way, the beauty of Bitcoin in that if people don't yes. align with the original vision, they can always fork off. It's just when they yep. fork off thinking that their vision was the original one when it's actually a new kind of fork, which is what has happened to Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, so that's uh, and that's been the argument for a lot of uh, a lot of folks who really like passionately hate Bitcoin Cash. Mm -hmm. Is that like you know at least Bitcoin Private and Bitcoin Gold, all of them they forked off and they have their name, but they aren't trying to say that they are the original Bitcoin, right? And I can see I can see uh, you know their that argument. I can see the validity of that argument, um, but at the same time, what they don't realize is that like they e it's 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 you've had you essentially all those early adopters from bitcoin 
um, the ones who are really passionate about the original vision. Uh, I guess they have had enough momentum and influence and the wherewithal to actually make it possible for Bitcoin Cash to be the Bitcoin. You know, and I think the reason why they fight for it is because there's already so much leverage momentum over eight years, right, um, of, of groundwork that's done. And then for someone like Blockstream to just come in and do what it did, uh, that really pissed off, you know, a lot of people sure. too. Um, sure. So it's, it's definitely a battle that is going to form the overarching narrative uh, for many, I think, decades or centuries, right? Uh, people will look back and see this. This will make for a very good story. I was thinking happened. the same thing. I think what's happened over the last few years has all the elements of a Greek tragedy. I mean, in regards to the Satoshi story, in regards to the, the fork, this division, it's it has all of these elements that I think when this story finally unfolds in how many years or so, I feel like we're, people are going to be looking back in this time the same way that we look back in ancient Rome and hear about these figures like Julius Caesar and and. Uh, and all you know, Marcus Aurelius, and all of these figures, and be looking at them in awe, because I truly believe that what's going on right now is one of the most exciting things, because there's so many elements of, of a, well, philosophy, technology involved in this thing. I think for someone that, if someone like myself that is really interested in, I guess, world-changing events, what is going on in Bitcoin right now is at the heart of everything, from the financial aspect to the. The philosophical aspect. There's a huge libertarian movement involved, and I guess I'm curious. From what's your what's your drive to what's your interest in Bitcoin? What's motivated that? Where where have you come from? Because I know that you're an entrepreneur. You're obviously involved in a lot of different things. Where what's your background? Yo, George, I've lost you there. Your sound. Are you still there? I your your sound came off a little. I think it's on your side. Let's see if we can get this back running. Uh, pretty sure it's... Yeah, it's definitely from your side, man. Um, hello, hello? Can you hear me? There we go. That's better. You cut yeah, off sorry. a bit. That's all good. You were saying? <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, we're not having this happen again. <laughs> no, no. You're, you're here. It's just the sound. It's, uh, I think you faded out a little there. I'm not sure if it was my side or your yeah. side, but I got you back now. So you were saying. Yep. Uh, sorry, could you repeat the question again? Um... I guess I'm curious as to how you got involved in Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, if you yeah. can tell us a little bit about yourself, I should have probably introduced you. You know, you're. Uh, <laughs> That's all. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, uh, take lead with. I guess your how you came into Bitcoin. Yeah, sure. Um, so how I came into Bitcoin uh, was back in 2013. I was asked to be part of the Bitcoin Doco. Um, which was directed by uh, at Madden Melbourne, who's a very strong Bitcoin, Satoshi Bitcoin supporter. Um, she introduced, I think, Australia, one of Australia's first Bitcoin ATMs into the co-working space that I was working in at the time. Uh, was a community manager for Hub Australia. And uh, yeah, you know, it was really cool. Um, like the idea, the concept of Bitcoin was really cool. Uh, there were walking tours taking place in Melbourne uh, that at Madden Melbourne uh, conducted. Uh, very grassroots, very underground, you know, community at the time. Uh, meeting up in shady alleyways and then bars and stuff uh, to exchange Bitcoin for fiat and whatnot. And uh, I think, you know, I've always been fascinated by community. So I, I really found the Bitcoin community itself to be very passionate and uh, you know, really, you could see that they were really interested in changing the world, you know, and um, the concept back then just really fascinated me. Now, so the Bitcoin doco was also a documentary that featured Craig Wright. So that's how I came to know Craig Wright back then. And um, for, I think, about a year, a year or two, you know, we uh, I was I was involved in a very light manner. Um, had converted, you know, some money into into Bitcoin back then, uh, but then it went off. I went I went off the radar uh, with Bitcoin uh, up until about 2015, 16, and then you know I started hearing about Bitcoin again, and I was like, hmm, I should reach out to Matt in Melbourne, um, see you know where things are at, and uh, yeah, that's what got me back into it because I just felt like, huh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling some momentum here. Uh, let me explore this further. And the original Satoshi. 
uh, white paper and the vision just captured me back then. And so it all, it, to me, it was just like, it, it was a no brainer. Like it made sense, but also waited, I think to see, you know, okay, you know, does this have legs? Cause nobody thought um, that it would get to where it is now, except for, of course, those people who were, you know, like Roger Ver and whatnot, who were just like willing it into existence and reality. Um, so yeah, 2015, 16 came back in, um, then got more involved. Then 2017 happened. I uh, knew about the, the hard fork that was taking place. I was a very strong BTC supporter. And then I think when I, when I learned that Madden Melbourne had uh, made, her, made her move to convert everything over to BCH, I was like, whoa, she's going all in, you know? And she was somebody I trusted as well. Um, and, you know, did my research and I was like, yeah, she's, she's onto something here, you know? Uh, even though it was kind of against what everybody else was saying about Bitcoin. At that point in time, was everyone? You know? What was everyone else saying at the time? And oh yeah, like yeah, BT, BTC is, is never gonna die. Yeah, BTC is never gonna die, and like BCH is like an abomination, and um, you know, it's like okay, good luck, you know, your little pet project of BCH. Good luck with that. Um, and so uh, it also kind of made. Then I made the move as well to convert all my BTC to BCH all in, and then other people who trust me. We're like, whoa, what the hell? Why are you doing that? You know, because you're a strong Bitcoin supporter. I'm like, I still am. Um, but what's going on? So, yeah, then, you know, all the events that uh, unfolded uh, made other people believers. And I think it was more for people who didn't really research the technology. It was the price movement, right? Of course, that made them believers, even if temporarily. Uh, and uh, but I was on the side of it's the vision uh, to me all value comes from vision and it's like if there's a strong vision and enough belief from everybody around it like it will happen it's just inevitable i feel you the know? same way but, but you say that i'm curious though because you said the main reason that you shifted all your btc coins to bch was the, the woman that you trusted at the time had made the decision yeah. to do so and yeah. I, i'd imagine you would have done some research or oh, was the fundamental reason you moved you moved your yeah. coins was that I trust her. She knows what she's doing. Or I, I, or I trust passionate people. Or was it okay? I've done the research, and this makes sense. Yeah, she was kind. Of, okay, so what? Okay, what prompted is I had done my research before, right? Um, but then when she made her move, it made me go, huh? Like it was kind of like the final, like, uh, sure. like I was already, I was already leaning towards. But then when she she did that, I was like. Okay, like that's that's a very interesting move, and at this point in time, um, and it confirmed what I was thinking already, you know. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely trust. I think still plays a factor, even though uh, Bitcoin is supposed to be trustless. Uh, this is why you have two. From a social standpoint, trust still matters. Uh, this is why we see other people in that narrative on the BTC campsite is that people they tr pe people they trust or you trust. Um, if they feel a certain way, most of the time you'll be like, oh yeah, I feel that way as well. But if you are an independent thinker, you'll acknowledge that, but do your research as well. Right. That's, that's that a really interesting point. Very important. Yeah. I, I actually listened to, uh, uh, an interview with Craig Wright just recently. Uh, I think it was from, uh, it, it was set in England, but they covered a very important related topic in regard one of the interview the interview made the point that granity understands that bitcoin cash is let's say better in every way i think craig wright was making the argument that look in the next few months he's going to be applying all of these different uh technologies patents onto the bitcoin cash coin and eventually it's going to be doing everything better and this guy made the argument that look um it's the people that are associated with bch um, that makes him not want to trust it, even though he understands that technically speaking, the Bitcoin yes. cash may be better. There is still this very strong element of I trust certain people and I don't trust certain individuals, even though you and I and most people that understand how Bitcoin works understand that it's a trustless system. It doesn't matter the fact that Roger Ver is investing his money in Bitcoin cash. Yeah. Roger Ver has no real definitive control over Bitcoin cash. He has influence, just like anyone that has money has influence, but even... When people understand that, it always seems to come down to, I don't trust Roger Ver because I think Roger Ver is a fraud. I don't trust Craig Wright 
because blah 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 blah. And yep. it's interesting. Like he, from from what I've heard from you, I think even you, and I think I would, if I'm being honest, still have yeah. has that aspect of I need to trust people in order to trust something, even though that something is not dependent on whether people give it support. Yeah. You know, if if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and and it's a very natural social thing uh, to occur. Uh, and, you know, even, even when the person I trusted made that move and, and then I made that move, it was still against what everybody else was. It wasn't a majority sort of mindset. Like that made no sense to a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. Right. But to those who are in the space, like it didn't make sense, you know? Um, and, and this is that early adopter thing, um, as well. But that is one of the aspects that maybe Satoshi didn't think about. I feel like he did still. And I think it's more of a long-term game because if you think about it, right, for now, because it's, uh, the focus has been a lot around the technology, um, it's being treated like, like a startup. And you see all these other ICOs, they got startups attached and yada, yada, yada. Whereas a decentralized nature, over time, I think it will matter less. Because, and this is why even at the Bitcoin Cash Fund, um, so for those listening as well, I'm the senior community manager for the Bitcoin Cash Fund by night. Um, we, you know, our focus is on the, the global adoption, right? So it's, it's uh, 1 billion within five years. I think Craig and Enchain are looking at 5 billion in five years, which is crazy, but you know, it's still, still doable with the right will. Um, so, so just in, to interject for a sec, so <clears throat> the Bitcoin Cash Fund, its focus is on bringing about adoption uh, globally. and yeah, uh, accelerating. So, excel so we're kind of like a marketing department for Bitcoin Cash and not, um, not in a, like a... Oh, yeah, I've we, seen some advertisements, yeah. yeah, yeah, on yeah. YouTube. That, yeah, the, yeah, the one with the, uh, the kid having the, the, dad, the kid's dad having a haircut, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, good stuff. So you're, you're yeah. behind a lot of that stuff. Yes. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, you know, that's we're wanting to to stay positive, to stay as neutral as possible. I know not it's not always possible to do that, but we do our best to be that. Um, we we uh, the founder Paul uh, he de saw a gap, you know, for a Bitcoin Cash uh, in terms of it not having any sort of central marketing coordination, you know, and. Um, it's funny because whenever you use the word central or decentralized in, in Bitcoin, in the Bitcoin community, you almost have to be very careful. But it's like yin and yang. Like, you know, Bitcoin was created not because of centralization, but extreme centralization, right? It was an answer to that. So just like extreme decentralization is also not a good thing either, um, which is what can happen to, to Bitcoin if enough users are keep harking on about like every it's like everything needs to be decentralized it's like no remember look at the history again what it was in response to you can't just say this decentralization and go extreme on that side because then well extreme of anything <laughs> never turns out good right absolutely um, so for the bitcoin cash fund it is uh, just kind of helping and assisting to accelerate the um the global adoption and a big focus is on merchant adoption so the tying this back to what Craig was talking about, what we were talking about earlier, is that over time it will not matter too much about these influencers because once all these other merchants are um, have adopted uh, Bitcoin Cash, then and it, it becomes easy to use as an electronic peer-to-peer -peer cash system, right? It won't matter. It's just like right now when people like, oh, you know, drug lords and uh, criminals use cryptocurrency, so therefore I do not use cryptocurrency. They use fucking cash too, you know? Like, do you not use cash because, you know, drug lords use it? Mm. No. <laughs> that's a perfect example, yeah. The kind of things that people often say without thinking it through. They just make arguments because I think they're repeated so much in the mainstream uh, news that People just yes. repeat them, you know. Oh well, you know, Bitcoin Cash is for fraudsters. Well, okay, why is it for fraudsters? You realize that can be used with the U.S. dollar, which is the the currency that the most amount of fraud is 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 used to commit. And uh, you realize that people are just repeating things over and over again. Um, yes. It, go, going back to your uh, your background, just a just a bit more detail on that. I think the last time we spoke, uh, I wanted to cover this again because this was really interesting. You you were talking about how 
you've obviously been brought up in a lot of different countries, and uh, um, it's interesting because I think that's shaped how you look at things and how you think. And I think you you used I can't remember what word it was that you used. I, I use the word global citizen, but essentially, yeah. um, you're the kind of person that um, believes in um, a, a global world. Essentially, obviously, Bitcoin Cash is something that facilitates that. So perhaps you can you can speak a bit about your your upbringing and how I guess that's shaped your your perspective and and uh, in community sure. and the world. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, global citizen or third culture kid um, that TCK. That was sure. the other the other term. Um, if you haven't heard of it before, just Google it. Uh, third culture kid. Uh, essentially, it's where you know you're born in one country, your parents are born from two other countries, but then raised in the third. You know, um, that's typically, and uh, you usually can identify a third cultured kid when you ask them the question, where are you from? And they struggle to answer because, you know, it's, they don't have, they've lived in so many different places or been exposed to so many different places mm -hmm. that they don't actually, like, they don't feel like they are from any one country. They feel like they are literally at home on earth anywhere, as long as there are good people around them, you know, um, that get that. So that, uh, I think that upbringing has definitely made me uh, desire a world where there was freedom to move that was not bound by nation states or, you know, nationhood, um, where you, or you could, you know, still respect the countries that people were from, but uh, really unite around the concept of a global citizen, you know, like really be able to call Earth home as opposed to, you know, I'm French and you're English and therefore... Uh, we don't we don't like each other because of our history um because if you're somebody that has had a an upbringing where you're constantly traveling constantly um being thrown into different cultures you learn to respect all of them because you know that you're not like from there technically but you have to learn how to uh, how to communicate with them work with them uh so from that perspective it to me it was a no-brainer to have a global currency because if you've done any traveling, you know, when you have to tr like exchange currencies with each country, it's, it's one annoying. Uh, and two, you're just like, come on, we're, it's like 2018. We've got like planes and the internet and everything. You know, the internet is definitely a good example of like borderless. And yet we still have sort of like archaic nation based income taxes for stuff that, you know, uh, gets transferred across the web without any of those type of concepts. Um, of you know of, of an individual nation or country, mm. um, so uh, just the freedom of movement. Uh, I, sometimes I wonder if the world really is like was not built for uh, the Earth in that sense, right? For freedom of movement like that, the nomads. Everything is all about like plonking down. You know, maybe blame it on the agricultural um, revolution uh, many centuries ago. But yeah, you know, you just plunk down and you settle there and just like, you know, decimate the land around you, whatever. Uh, whereas if you travel, move around, uh, it, it, it's a different type of freedom. So Bitcoin as cash um, to me is no different to having one Internet. So you have one Internet and one uh, electronic cash system. Uh, it just to me, it makes sense for the times we live in. And Absolutely. If, from, yeah. And I, and I think it promotes freedom, which to me, I mean, from, from my, uh, I guess, my background, uh, it, it's very similar to yours. I was born in Ghana, West Africa, I've spent most of my time here in Australia, but I guess the overarching philosophy um, t that has guided my life has been, uh, has been one of freedom. Like, I, I, I believe in the idea of people being able to interact with other people around the world without restrictions, obviously open borders. I believe in... Um, I guess the whole concept of individual rights, and I, I think a lot of the uh, the BCH supporters, you find that they tend tend to have very similar values. You find that the a lot of the first movers of Bitcoin were very libertarian in their mindset, and these mm -hmm. are the kind of people that believe in freedom of movement, that believe in people having the right to do what they want with their own money, not having restrictions, not having governments um, tell them who they can exchange money with, and that whole perspective, um, the fact that I've adopted that is something that uh, attracted me to Bitcoin. Because even before I discovered Bitcoin, um, mm -hmm. I was very much interested in the idea of separating economics from the state. And I would hear mm -hmm. a lot of libertarians uh, speak about this. Uh, Stefan Molyneux, you know, Adam Kakesh. It's been a common thing within the libertarian movement because they, they value the importance of 
of freedom. And I think it all ties down. Like, if you want to, see, uh, one of the reasons I think, um, and I've heard Craig Wright speak about this as well, that when you do have um, more freedom within a country, when you uh, when you have these open borders, free, free exchange of money, it's going to create um, a, a better society as far as more competition. It's going to create more opportunities. And if you're someone that wants to see a pro progress in technology, a progress mm -hmm. in in the elevation of you know the standard of living, I think um, people tend to adopt this viewpoint. At least this is the kind of a I guess a libertarian mindset that a lot of people would have. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, I was just curious to he hear you speak about that because um, uh, I, I guess this is a little um, uh, a little tangential, but uh, I think one of the things that I found is that, like you were kind of saying, that people that do have this mindset or have been brought up in these circumstances, it does shape the way that they think. And I mean, I, I've been finding a lot of the arguments that people have been making on the uh, on the BCH um, side of things to be very in line with um, promoting freedom, um, being very in line with people having individual rights. The way in which they, and I, I know this gets a little, uh, I guess, um, it's not a definitive thing, but I do find even the the BT, the way that a lot of the people within the blockstream camp, the BTC camp, the way in which th their philosophy when it comes to small blocks. That ties into their their philosophy, which can be once again tied back into their upbringing. Like the whole the, the philosophical distinction between the big block versus smaller block block camp is is something that's tangible. In that the the arguments that I think are made by the small block proponents is that you need to ensure that you can't have the big bad government coming in and uh, um, and and uh, ruining this this project because you're going to have more centralization if you have. Uh, a situation where not you know people need to have really powerful computers in order to uh, to mine Bitcoin, and the whole argument is coming from a place of we need to put in restrictions to prevent people from doing things so that we can have a safe community. It kind of leans towards safety, and I find mm -hmm. that people that are that have more of a capitalist mindset do believe in competition, believe in the free market, believe in people having these freedoms, believing that it's going to create more competition, it's going to lead to a better society. So. They're in favor of the big blocks, and it's just something that I've noticed that where is this thing, this whole uh, movement seems like it's purely technological, that uh, it has nothing to do with um, values or philosophy. The more and more I learn about it, the more I'm realizing that there does seem to be a philosophy around this, and it is shaped by people's upbringing, people's, uh, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, their experiences as well, you know? Yep. yep. Uh, spot on. So... I'll probably give an example of the, um, it's like the nomads versus the farmers. Uh, there's a book uh, that I really love, um, and I think it's called Wolf Totem. And it's about uh, essentially the tension between China and Mongolia uh, when China was occupying Mongolia. And the Mongolians, you know, are very much a nomadic culture. And uh, I don't know if you know too much about the Mongolian history, but, you know, they sure. were... Genghis Khan, right? Yeah, the right? conquerors yeah. of the world. Yeah, they were the only uh, empire to conquer half half of the world in terms of land mass, right? But it's not always talked about in history books. You know, there's a lot of focus on uh, European history, American history, etc. Um, but, you know, the Mongolian Empire, yeah, half. And you, you were talking about uh, small blocks and big blocks. And to me, that's almost a reflection of the mindset. You know, big blockers, um, essentially, it's like an expansive mindset. Right. And it's not the the vision and the direction is not based on fear. It's based on hope for the future. Right. And an expansiveness. Whereas you look at the small blocks blockers, it's there's no real vision. It's all about contraction and fear, safety from the, the big bad wolf outside. You use it like with the farmers. Same thing. Right. The farmers will put pens around the sheep. Right. To keep them safe from the big bad wolf on the outside. Whereas the nomads, they're the ones on the outside and they'll run wild with, you know, the wolves, the bears, the everything, you know, they, they, they are not restricted in terms of their freedom of movement. And I see that taking shape here as well. And I think also the reason why you'll see people like us or the global citizens, the TCKs, um, it's like where we believe in sort of, we're looking to build that new world, right? The old world is kind of what on the BTC side is being 
replicated again. It's like they're trying to cling on to the old ways of doing things. So even with Lightning Network, they're just replicating what was already in place before, but wrapping it in a different wrapper, right? To same me, that's point, what yeah. Lightning Network looks like. It's like same shit, different smell. Whereas on the BCH side, it really is um, going down a, a vision that is ready for those who want to embrace it, who believe in a kind of like one world, you know, or new world that is borderless, that is free to move. And you will see this, it's very matrix-like, right? If you are ready, or if you are seeking the truth and you are ready to open your mind, free your mind, then you will embrace that. But if you are not, you will choose, you know, like even if you are made aware that you're a slave, you'll still choose to be a slave because of all the pleasures that it brings. Because it's very uncomfortable to take that red pill. George, I can see why they call you the the Bitcoin prophet or <laughs> Bitcoin preacher, man. That was, that <laughs> yeah. was some powerful stuff, man. Um, I, I really resonate with what you're saying, and it's uh, essentially what I was trying to articulate as well. Um, in fact, mm -hmm. I thought about what Roger, I think, said a while back, that the BTC community believed that uh, uh, Bitcoin couldn't scale uh, because... Yeah. I mean, therefore, it wasn't able to do it, you know, whereas the BCH community, community believed that Bitcoin could scale. So they've actually yes, gone about, about and they are doing it, you know, and it's that kind of matrix mindset. Uh, there is no there is no try. There is only do it. You know, the mindset of it can be done. We're going to do this. We believe we can do it. So we're going to do it. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's um, I think that's a powerful idea. And I think that's very reflective of the. Bitcoin Cash community, the true Bitcoin, as I like to say. Uh, mm. I, I want to get into your. Um, you, you mentioned you mentioned that it was during a documentary that you met Craig Wright, and I wanted to get into that. Surprisingly, I don't think I've seen the documentary. What was this documentary called? Uh, the Bitcoin Doco. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm surprised. I, I would have remembered your face, man. Um, I'm, I'm gonna have to check cool. it out. But so, so at this point, had Craig Wright uh, come out as? Uh, was this around the time where he uh, he essentially uh, was outed, before. or was this uh, was this beforehand? I think I think he came out as Satoshi in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, don't quote me on that, <laughs> but uh, I think it was before before then. Um, okay. And, yeah, so, and mind you, like it wasn't it wasn't like a we didn't meet in person. It's only like you know we just connected. Um, through yeah, knowing that we were in the sure. same documentary. Okay, so have you actually met him in person before? Or has it all been online? So can you hear me? Hello, Hello. I can hear you. You can't hear me. Uh, you're, you're just kind of broken up on your end. All right, let's see if we can fix that. Um, I got you coming in over here. I think we're just getting a bit of disturbance. All right, yeah, I'm gonna, um, I've lost back. I've lost your video, but I can see your face now. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah, I can hear you. I'll I'll stop my video just so that we can keep the audio at least. That would be cool. That'd be cool. Yep. Okay. Cool. So you still here? All right. You. Oh, it's all good. You know what? Um, <laughs> it's all good, man. I think people. Uh, oh, the audio is the main thing. That's the main thing. So yeah, yeah. just in regards to. Uh, Craig Wright. I mean, during the documentary, was he? What was he talking about? What was he? Uh, uh, what what was he? Why was he in the documentary? I mean, as far as his understanding of Bitcoin, what kind of um, information was he sharing in that documentary? Um, I mean, nothing nothing different from what he's been sharing now. Uh, I mean, he's come out with more information around the technicals around Bitcoin, but uh, back then, you know, it really was just like, what is Bitcoin? Why are you involved? What are you doing? Um, definitely worth checking out uh the the bitcoin doco and i think matt at, at matt in melbourne she had included a lot of minor uh stories as well um which was really fascinating uh she, i think she included me from a co-working space because she connected uh sort of just the movement with open collaborative spaces to what's happening what was happening with bitcoin as well you know and i think that ties in uh Sorry, dude, are we still okay with audio? Yeah, audio's coming in fine from my end. Everything's cool here. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and you know, that I think just connects right back to what we were saying about that open, collaborative, and expansive uh, aspect of Bitcoin, you know? And uh, I think that needs to continue on. Uh, it, it, it literally is 
the uh, split between like the old world and the new world. And those who, you know, want to remain in the old world will cling on to anything that reflects that. And those who want to embrace the new one will move towards that. I think that's where the conflict is, you know, because people are seeing two separate realities pretty much. Well said, well said. I, I like how you bring in the philosophical, psychological side to, uh, to this. I feel like it's an area of Bitcoin that hasn't been fully explored. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you, you, I, I'm, I'm guessing your, um, your, your interests um, obviously lie in the realm of well, history, philosophy. You seem to have a very learned attitude when it comes to breaking this kind of stuff down from a, a philosophical perspective. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I mean, I love, I love looking deeply into things. And sometimes, you know, I've been uh, criticized for maybe looking too deeply into some stuff. Uh, but uh, hopefully, you know, now being in my 30s, uh, I've been able to temper that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, the, the philosophy, uh, the sociology, the psychology, those aspects fascinate me the most um, out of all this because you don't just have the technical, you don't just have the mathematics, uh, but you've got, uh, yeah, the, the social aspect because human behavior, uh, one thing I've noticed is that technology is very rarely the issue. It's, mm -hmm. it's like the people and their interactions, their relationship with technology that usually is. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all integrated. In fact, uh, one of the things I find so beautiful about Bitcoin is that in order for this thing to work, the creator obviously had to have a profound understanding of all these different areas, the yes. economics, the technology, the, uh, yeah. um, the philosophical side of things even, um, and, and it goes on. It goes on. And I think, as is clearly evident um, with, with someone like Craig Wright, I mean, this is, this is a guy that has so many degrees behind him. I mean, he truly is a renaissance man. And I, one, of the th one of the reasons I've enjoyed, I mean, I've gone through all of uh, pretty much everything I can find on, on, on Craig Wright. I first started off listening to a guy called Andres Antonopoulos, and he yeah. is someone that has um, a very holistic understanding of things. I mean, he speaks about the technology, the, the security side of things, the, the, the philosophy, the economics, and goes on into all these different realms. And he yeah. paints this beautiful picture in regards to how Bitcoin is supposed to work. And yep. really learn a lot listening to him. And then when I found Craig Wright, it's you know it was more or less the same thing. I, I would say even even up a notch. And it, it's rare I find. Uh, I, in fact, I think I've heard of Craig Wright mentioning this that you in science you often find that the scientific community has this expectation that people are going to be experts in one field, and. Yeah. Uh, they, not realizing well that yeah it's actually it's actually quite common for brilliant people to be brilliant in many other fields you know you have a look at people like Leonardo da Vinci uh yes. you have a look at some of the greatest people uh Pythagoras is another one like the first universal genius and they have been brilliant in many different things and i think it's necessary in order to to uh to have a full understanding to understand not just one particular field but many different fields and uh yes. as is evident i think that was necessary in in creating the the concept of Bitcoin, yes, um, yeah, I, I think that's one thing that I noticed too about uh, what I was seeing happen uh, between BTC and BCH is, yeah, BCH had more. If you look at the influencers, uh, the influencers, in my opinion, seem to have more of a holistic view um, of of everything. That whereas on BTC side, you know, they're either just coming from a a developer perspective or it was like it seemed like very one one angled and you know you could see that take place in the arguments right and Absolutely. one one of the things i think that everyone should learn how to do is to how to how to debate properly and assume or understand the context from which people are making their arguments because everybody's trying to debate with facts and mass right but you if you actually look at the, the background and the understanding of those individuals in the different areas, um, that actually does shape the way, the direction that the arguments go. And, you know, so it's like when somebody starts off an argument, if you say, okay, in my, from my perspective, blah, 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 blah. Right. But when you have these public debates take place on Twitter and mind you, there's always misreadings taking place via text online. Um, they're all, you know, stating it as fact um from their perspective <laughs> right and then it just becomes a battle of uh, egos and wills and then it kind of just goes nowhere as well 
Um, I've noticed exactly the same thing, and I, I would just add to that another thing that I'm finding that is even more prevalent from my experiences is the inclination from from people on the BTC side, and I, and I say this because this is the general way most people argue. argue whereas you mm -hmm. find there is a particular way of arguing um, when you are a voluntarist, a libertarian, when you when you're dealing with um, ethics or things like that. And I've noticed people don't seem to argue from principle. People seem to argue from potentiality. For instance, um, if someone, uh, I, I remember I got into a conversation with someone one time about Roger Vera, the fact that he had announced um, um, prior to the Mount Gox uh, scenario that he believed in this organization that you know he'd spent time and he trusted them and yeah. he made the argument that Roger Ver was a fraud because he came He's out and said that this argument was trustworthy and when I said to him that well look just because Roger Ver said that the company was trustworthy and that mm. happened that obviously Mt. Gox fell apart doesn't mean that he's a fraud and he made the argument yeah but the, the fact that you know he could have been um, he could have been involved somehow I could have yeah. orchestrated that entire event the potentiality for him to have orchestrated that was enough for him to be called a fraud. Whereas the way that I would look at something like that, unless of course I know definitively that someone has done something, yep. um, it's I'm not going to call them a fraud. And you tend to you tend to argue from principle. And when I say that, what I mean by that is that you're not deal, you're not making appeal to potentiality arguments, for instance, because because Bitcoin could be used as a, a, a legal currency. I'm not going to allow it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's a common yeah. argument you you tend to hear from socialists or or the whole big block versus small block argument because Bitcoin could if we use big blocks because Bitcoin could be circumvented by the government. Let's not use big big blocks because of the possibilities as opposed to making an argument that deals in certitudes. And just finally, even with the name Bitcoin, I, I kind of wanted to end this here because I want to hear your thoughts on this. I heard Craig Wright speak about this so eloquently. When people mm. are trying to define what Bitcoin is, the common argument I found from people is that they define Bitcoin based off of the majority of what people define Bitcoin to be. And Craig mm. goes on to say the Bitcoin has a protocol; it has certain criteria to define it, and he has it. Mm. And as it as it is defined within the white paper, and this whole idea of Bitcoin being whatever everyone deems it to be, I yeah. feel is the biggest distinction between how. A lot of people within the BTC community look at Bitcoin, whereas I, well, someone like mine, I would imagine a lot of the uh, the BCH people look at it. I mean, clearly there's a mm. there's an issue at the moment in regards to how we define Bitcoin, but it mm. must have a definitive definition. The idea of saying that it's going to be um, subject to however many people decide to define it, I think, comes with a lot of problems. So, what are your thoughts on the whole Bitcoin naming thing? And I guess. Um, how people look at that i mean that is like literally the nature of our reality it's a subjective reality it's literally reflecting itself in this uh conflict between btc and bch because you have there people saying no um you know you said that you know bitcoin is permissionless so that means i can make bitcoin whatever i want it to be and in a way you know like bitcoin cash has done that too like we've also said well we're going to fork Bitcoin Cash and we say it's Bitcoin, right? You know, I can see both both sides to this, this, this conflict, this tension, but it's from a naming perspective. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't make it easier for us. Like we get, I think we get, BCH gets so much flack um, because people feel like we're trying to steal the name. Uh, and a large majority don't know. Uh, they just look at the name. They don't know obviously much about the technicals and i'm not speaking for everyone but a large majority mm -hmm. won't you know give it any time or day if anything it's a drama that they um perhaps just want to get involved with <laughs> you know just like people love watching drama episodes or tv shows this is a drama that oh hey look there's drama here let me you know jump on the bandwagon and just call everybody that i come across in bch um an altcoin or a scam or like you've seen the words that get thrown around so often, right? It like ceases exactly. to have any meaning now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I hear it, I'm just like, okay, what do you mean by that? And what, you know, I had to look up the, the word scam because I kept on hearing and I'm like, what are people using this in a different way that I use it? I, but I hear it's, what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> I mean, pretty much, right? Like anything like they're, they're literally calling everything a scam now, you know? And it's like, Fuck, you guys even know? And then the fraud aspect as well. Mm. I mean, people forget that, you know, even Jesus Christ was like 
labeled a heretic and um, a, a criminal and True. all of those things. But now there's look. the religious thing coming up once again. You know, I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ, Bitcoin, Jesus, it, yep. <laughs> the the, yep. the undertones of this. Um, but you, you brought up the fraud thing. I, I, I love it. I'm not sure if you've listened to this interview. If you haven't, be sure to check it out. Best interview Craig Wright has done uh, yeah. to date. Uh, really illustrated uh, a lot of the arguments, um, like properly uh, answered them um, within the mindset of what, what I would say, like clear thinking, you know what I mean? And one of the things that he defined was fraud, how from a legal uh, standpoint, that involves uh, taking money from someone, like through deception. But people yeah. seem to use that that term, you know, like, Roger's a fraud because he's calling Bitcoin something else, yes. even though Bitcoin's open source, like, no one has any legitimate claim to the name. And yes. uh, it's just another thing that I found really ridiculous. People's inclination just to label things with any definition, you know? Yes, it's a reflection. I think it's a reflection of our times, too, whereby we almost, we can, we, we protest against anything now. Um, and... Uh, there's also a lot of change happening. So it's um, like there are le legitimate, in my opinion, there are legitimate changes and movements that need to be made and that uh, I I'm glad are happening. But then some of the other other ones that pop up, I'm just like, are you just protesting for the protest sake? You know, are you just like throwing shit for throwing shit sake? Mm -hmm. um, but that's, you know, that's a human family for you. It's uh, the whole, I'm on a team and I'm going to stick to my team regardless of... Uh of what happens, yeah. you know, Team BTC, Team BCH, and I, I really hope that we don't fall into that camp. I think it's good for us to be able to even criticize the arguments within our own own community. Otherwise, yeah. you fall into the uh, you know the the Church of Satoshi, the Church of whatever is popular camp, which I exactly. think we can do without. Exactly, you know, and it's funny because you know um, even though some debates between Craig and some academics online, um, and you know other people. I, I, you know, I started to see the splintering within BCH as well, and it really annoyed the shit out of me. But this is kind of what happens naturally because everybody has a different idea of what is right, what should be done. It's always on the hows. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I hope we can learn from BTC, and it looks like that's died down a bit. Um, but, you know, whenever influencers get involved and debate with each other online... I mean, everybody's going to see it, of course. Uh, That's but true. yeah, it, it's it's something that we cannot avoid, but we have to kind of watch and try to maneuver uh, to the best of our abilities. But in the in the long run, like I am betting on the actual cash system itself of BCH, right? Just uh, proving itself and and sustaining itself uh, in a way uh, that Bitcoin was brilliantly designed through the forking uh, aspect because. It's preserved itself, you know. We we believe from the BCH side, it's preserved itself um, in spirit uh, through BCH, and then the body you could call that BTC, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, people on that side are saying that that is the real Bitcoin because it still has the body, and it goes back again to the philosophical question: Are we are we spiritual beings in a, a physical body having a physical experience, or the opposite? Um, and that's that's how I see it. Salient words. I, I, I like the idea that um, where is this stuff is inevitable. You're always going to have uh, disagreements in any yeah. community when it gets large enough. I think the best way to safe, safeguard against uh, this kind of stuff happening is through education. The best way to ensure freedom is by educating your population. I think the more mm. people speak about this stuff, the more people like you and I have these conversations and have these open discussions where people understand at least how we define these things, um, mm. I think it's definitely going to uh, make things clear and at least create more unity within uh, this community. I mean, you, you can't have a community without common unity. And I yeah. think if we have more, more conversations and more understandings of how we perceive reality, it's only going to add towards creating a, a more uh, solid unity community. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating too that like, you know, I, I asked this question on Twitter um, a few weeks back too. Um, can it, and I asked like, can anybody give me an example in history where unity has taken place without violence, um, without violence, aggression, or bloodshed? Um, or, or, or extreme disruption and uh, not very many uh, and, and I'm talking about unification of like you know nations like large groups of people right uh, throughout history a lot of unifications did not come peacefully uh, there were always some form of 
tension, conflict, or disruption, you know, uh, uncomfortable disruption. So I, I find that's why I look at what's everything that's happening within Bitcoin right now seems to be part of that same sort of narrative. You know, I wish we could, you know, achieve unification peacefully, but I have not seen or heard of any examples in the past where that has taken place. I mean, even if you look at, say, Gandhi and, and India um, gaining its independence, uh, you could argue that that was peaceful or, or nonviolent um, action. But, man, a lot of them got beat. There was violence involved, you know, like they still um, were, were abused and whatnot. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think there's always going to be tribulations in in order for people to uh, achieve their, uh, their their rise to success. You know, whether it's an, on an individual level or a community level. And I mean, even in regards to India, uh, obviously they the people there they had to undergo indentured so slavery, some form of um, injustice yeah, exactly. before they finally got Gandhi. So, whereas yeah. I think we we will obviously eventually, in in my opinion, I think we will have a uh, um, Bitcoin Cash. Somewhere down the line, even if it's not Bitcoin Cash, I don't know. I, I truly believe that it's inevitable that we will see uh, a separation of econ economics and state. That's what this thing is yeah. about to me. But yep. it may it may take some uh, yeah, some some, uh, some hardship <laughs> before we arrive at that. Yes, agreed on that, man. <laughs> well, George, I I think we'll end it there, man. It's been an hour. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, your gentleman. You are a scholar, and I I really appreciate you uh, dropping those prophetic. Uh, preacher like truth bombs brother so uh, i would love to do this again sometime um i'll be sure to share this on the twitter and yep. uh bro keep keep us up to date with anything that you got going on um i'd love to get involved it's all about community and uh, that's what this podcast is all about oh nice man yeah keep up the good work yourself um yeah i appreciated this talk and uh for anyone that that's listening as well um if you do want to get involved with the uh bitcoin cash fund uh community uh, we kind of just have like our own little uh, sub-community of doers within the Bitcoin Cash ecosystem. Uh, just go to uh, probably the best address is bchforeveryone.com. Uh, that one will take you straight to our Discord group. Uh, sign up and uh, yeah, you'll see all the other doers there. Fantastic. Well, I got your Twitter uh, at sign here. So people yes. get in touch with you. I'll put the links to your website and all that stuff. Uh, after I've uh, finished this podcast. But once again, George, you are absolutely amazing. Thank you for dropping those wisdomatic truth bombs. It's been a very enlightening conversation. And uh, peace out, my brother. Peace out. God bless. Peace out, my man. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. George Samuels, absolutely amazing conversation. That's what I like to do. I like to get into the philosophical aspects of things, you know. There is, um, there's always an underpinning to uh, even the technological side of, uh, of Bitcoin. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to drop us some comments and let us know what you thought about this interview with George. And uh, let us know if you, uh, if you have any suggestions to improve this podcast, if you want to uh, come on, if you know anyone that would be good on this. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to the Beach Boys. They have an amazing podcast. Highly recommend checking their stuff. They really go into the technological, philosophical details of Bitcoin Casio. And uh, yeah, Crypto Anarchist, another great dude I, I listen to. Um, there are a lot of other great channels out there. If you Also, another great guy that's been making some amazing YouTube videos. Um, I think it's Mr. Scatman. Makes some amazing prom promotional videos in favor of Bitcoin Cash. Highly recommend checking out his stuff. I've been using a lot of his, his material and making my own little uh, videos. But anyway, without further ado, I'm going to end it here. Peace out, keep it real, don't drive and text. This is the Crucial Journey Podcast, a.k.a. the Esoteric Noetic, a.k.a. the Bitcoin MC. Until next time, yo. Boom shakalaka. Ow! Just ending it here with my promotional video. This is my music, yo. You know, people in this life will always tell you what you can what you cannot do. You can't let nobody put limitations on yourself. You gotta know that deep down inside, you got the will, you got the power, you got the fire. So if you wanna go, you gotta go like thunder. We've had to beat you up from my side. Bring up the rain needle in the direction. Have a moment, ponder on that weakness. Rise above it, keep working on that game, son. I'm about to school you when I thunder. I'm about to school you, know I got.
over before The game was done back If you think that I'm gonna let you run My body, my heart, and my mind Then you better listen, son Oh, you think you're invaluable Yeah, act like an eagle Think you're gonna soar like a bird Beyond impossible I think it's plain to see You know you're meant to be Once, once, two, worlds of two Gotta think and stop What you want, me always what you get You don't do the work that you won't find your